Welcome to Season 2 from A Lancashire Lass with me, Lucy Baxter. Joining me today is Jack Dinsley. Um, he's a casting runner from, at the moment, working on Great Pottery Throwdown. I'm really excited for this conversation because just from sort of speaking to Jack online, on, on Instagram, he's like buzzing about what he does and seems a really inspirational, incredible human. Um, so I'm really honoured to be joined by you today. How are you, Jack? Hi, uh, yeah, I'm doing really good, thank you. I'm excited to be on the podcast. <laughs> so I think, first of all, I think just explain to people what a, what a runner is and, and what you're doing at the moment on Great Pottery Throwdown. So a runner back in the day was someone that used to get the coffees and the teas and lunches. Although that is still a part of being a runner, there's so much more to it. It's assisting the team it's helping on set in the studio it's just being someone who has a go-to attitude and I think that is the reason why I'm so successful and we're getting job uh, jobs in the industry because I have such a positive attitude to the career uh, to the industry and yeah so specifically right now on, on the Great Pottery Throwdown I'm a casting runner which basically means I'm helping with the casting process for series six which will air next year so I'm meeting all the potential contestants I'm helping them along the way so yeah it's a very interesting role. And you know these the media industry the BBC and you know, every conglomerate are extremely difficult to get into. You know, I myself am like newly, nearly a year into being a broadcast journalist. And I know that you don't just get, here's a permanent role for the rest of your life. It is tough. It is, you need determination, resilience. You get knocked down. Um, Like this won't be a long, what are the jobs like? Obviously, I'm guessing you're contracted for a bit. How does it work? Yeah, so it's really funny that because like when I talk to my friends, they go, "Oh, I've got a new job." They go, "Oh, is it for like a year?" I'm like, "No, it's a three month contract," and it's hard to explain that because people go, "Oh, it doesn't seem very stable." And I'm like, "Well, no, but I think you have to have that mindset to go right three month contract." So halfway through that, you start looking for a new job. So I'm doing that now. Like I've got a new job at the start of July for a game show on Channel 4. So I'm always ahead of the game. So this is from March until the middle of Ju- the middle of June. So then I've got a bit of a gap, but I've got another job as a children- children's entertainer, which basically will fill that gap up in between that job and then that job. So it's always handy. But yeah, so I think my longest contract was four months and then I had to, you know, do something different. Yeah. And I mean, it's a completely varied job like every job you'll do is different and every day will be different like I remember sort of working with some runners and and like you said they do they they do way more than like cups of tea and everything I mean I don't think I even wanted a cup of tea or anything but they're like would you like water still sparkling I've got some snacks how are you feeling about it are you nervous would you like a picture taken like they were absolutely incredible and I think productions wouldn't run with that with without people like you guys 100% and it's like I remember when I was shadowing before I got my first job uh, I I was like oh this is such a nerve-wracking thing but it's not because 
usually the people that are researchers, uh, assi uh, assistant uh, producers, they've all started in your position. So in hindsight, they all should be kind. They should always, you know, give you some advice because they've been there. So I do think it's a good industry because it's one of those industries where you work your way up, but you never forget where you come from. So, yeah. Yeah. And do you think you need to be a... I don't know, a good talker or, or approachable, like, you know, you've got to like human people to do this type of job. Yeah, you've got to have the thing is with me, people always say I'm very, I'm very bubbly and very personable. And I think that's what you've got to have. If you don't have that kind of that characteristic, especially if you're doing like long days in the studio, you've got to have that, that positive attitude from the morning until sometimes early uh, sorry late afternoons early evenings so sometimes it can be a long day but I'm just so happy and passionate to be there so I'm always the same person throughout the whole day yeah and so take me back to when you were younger did you always want to be a runner how did you get into it um is this kind of your plan so Long story short, so basically when I was 14, I started writing for a column called the Blackpool Gazette. So in the Blackpool Gazette, I used to have a column in, the, in it called the Junior Gazette. So every Wednesday, I would have an article published. It could be something that happened back in my town of Kirkham, or it could be like a film review. But every Wednesday, from the age of 14, I had an article published. And this is something I just did because I just like writing. So I did that up until about 17, 18, and then I went off to university to study journalism so I did uh, journalism it covered broadcast radio and print so this was at the University of Central Lancashire so at this point in year one I was like, I'm very focused I want to do print journalism but as the course got a bit more interactive I thought oh actually I think tv or film is more my you know idea of going down it so in year two we had a day where basically people from BBC ITV there's so many different employers came to came to my university to basically offer our placements so I pitched to them about the lack of representation of stammering because I had grown up basically watching news round watching ITV and there's been nothing about you know having a stammer or you know like in a soap opera you don't see someone with a stammer on a soap opera so basically this was my pitch and basically I earned a week placement at Loose Women and a day shadowing experience at BBC News Round so I thought that these are my opportunities. I'm, the, I'm, just, I'm just a normal guy from a small town in, in the Northwest. I thought, right, I'm going to take these opportunities. So Loose Women obviously filmed down in London. So I spent a week networking, meeting all the amazing people that work on Loose Women, which was fantastic. But then Newsround was the one I really, really wanted to impress because I always wanted to work in children's TV. So a day shadowing turned into a week's worth of, a week's work experience about six months later and when I was on placement it turned out to be International Stammering Awareness Day so basically the thing I pitched to the deputy editor at uni I pitched again to a whole room of presenters journalists I actually got accepted so basically I was put on all their social medias on their website and basically I just really impressed them on that during that week and then a month later I got offered my first ever gig as a freelance runner for BBC News Rounds incredible absolutely <laughs> incredible and I think you know if if we go back to like kids when they're like 13 14 in school you know some pick on people who are different like I've got cystic fibrosis so, um and and when you're going through that stage you kind of you want to hide it or or you don't 
you just want to be normal don't you but what i'm yeah. learning in this industry is it's these things that are diversity are things that make us a bit different and able to see the world or pick up stories that are different yeah no but i remember when i went so i've been in the twice so that, that was in 2019 to 2020 then last year after my initial children's contract for the bbc i got offered another contract with news round and then Hayley hassel was doing a thing about having a stammer for bbc radio bbc radio five live and basically uh she was like oh jack would you like to you know feature on it and i, and I was like oh okay oh, all right then and then she was like yeah it's just just the last time you were you were here you were doing work with having a stammer so i just thought it makes sense to get you back on so it's so it's what you said like so they like remember those things about you and then they really like you know help raise awareness so yeah yeah and so you've you've done news round you've done great pottery throwdown i'm, I'm guessing yeah. you've done like running at other places but what i want to know like have you met anyone famous have you what's been the best gig or the best day as a runner so like lou swimming uh, not sure if you watched the x factor but i met rebecca ferguson so mm-hmm. I absolutely adored her and basically her music got me through my GCSEs. So she really has impacted me. So I remember, I remember it was like the last day I was there at the Black Bank. So the people on the panel today were like listening to them and they were like, and we have a very special guest, Rebecca Ferguson. And I was like, really? And they were like, yes, so she's on the panel. So I got to talk to her for a bit about her music. She was talking to me about myself, which I think was really, really nice because she didn't have to talk about me or, you know, but mm-hmm. she was really interested in talking to me. Oh, I've met Ricky Wilson from the Character Chiefs, Vic Coates, because they presented Britain's Best Young Artists, and I was a, a logger on that last summer. That was incredible. They were so lovely. So I got to spend weeks with them. Oh, who else have I met? I've met Colleen Nolan, Bobby Norris. Oh, I've met... Oh, sorry, I think about who I've met. I bumped into John Barrowman one time, so that was interesting. Literally, it's one of the things I was like, literally running. You know, that might surprise you. I was actually running, and then literally doing like you look up and go, "Oh, hi!" And he went, "Hi!" And I was like, "Fabulous!" Oh, <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Nice to meet you." And then literally that was it. But the surreal moments because like, "Oh, right, hi, bye." But he was lovely. But yeah, uh, lots of people, lots of different people. And so, what's your kind of I don't know your dream or where you want to go like do you want to keep running or I mean what I can see it I'm being like dead honest now I think you'd be a cracking Blue Peter presenter. Well I mean I I have worked on Blue Peter that was a great experience I worked on that last summer actually and yeah I would love to be a presenter ideally that would be great but as you probably know it's such a hard thing to get into full time. I think nowadays, because like, you don't have to go to uni, you don't have to go to college to become a presenter. For me, it's the right time at the right moment and all that things, because it's just finding the right time, isn't it? So, but I do think I've got a good energy and that's why I do my campaigning because I think I am fronting that myself and I have to present to schools, present to colleges, present to universities and it's me doing it and like I get a lot of good reactions from it. So yeah, presenting will be good but for now I want to go talk to the researcher. Yeah, so 
uh, something I don't even know, like how people get into presenting, because, you know, like I look on, on websites, you know, like the BBC's website or whatever, and you look at the jobs and you think, like, oh, that'll be good when I've got experience. That'll be good when I get noticed. Or or it, it just seems like the presenter is such an out of reach job. Like, I don't even know how you how you get into that. To be honest with you, me neither. I remember though, actually, when I was in my third year of uni, when I was doing Newsround Freelance. So basically what happened was I was doing Newsround Freelance while also doing my third year at uni. So I was doing both of them at the same time. And then that's when the, the, pan, the pandemic hit as well. So I had all that at the same time. But I was also reaching out to like, people within children's. And I remember sending sending my show reel. And then I actually got feedback on it, which was actually really useful. But it's really weird. It's finding the right time. Because at that time, I don't think they were uh, hiring you know, children's presenters for you know, that time. But I know it's just the right time isn't it and also i don't know if if having an agent is a good thing i don't know like i don't know is it like so yeah. some agents can, i know agents can cost a bit sometimes yeah i know and also it's it sounds bad but it's also an industry of who you know i think literally i have said that from day dot it's not what it's not what you know it is who you know like for instance this job i've got now on the great part of throwdown i didn't even apply for it at first because I didn't even know about it. And then the person who got contacted me, it was a friend of a friend who who I used to work with, who gave me a glowing reference. And they were like, do you want, do you want me to interview you for it? I was like, oh, okay then. And then I got the job. So it is about who, you know, and then I've had to prove myself every single day. And I think I've done such a good job and, I, and I'm so proud of myself, but it's my first casting job. So, you know, I feel like it's gone well. So... Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, you know, obviously becoming a presenter and that you have to have that energy. You've got to have that thing about you that people just are drawn to. Um, And so, yeah, you were kind of mentioning your stammer then. Um, So I I don't know, like, is that something that start like you always have had or something that's sort of started when I don't know you went to high school or what's kind of been that journey so when I was five years old obviously my mum took me to my local my local GP I literally couldn't say certain words and it was a struggle and the GP basically was like no like we can't really do much with Jack at the moment at the moment because we're like five years old your speech is still developing really and also because I'm an August baby Obviously, I'm quite young compared to everyone else in my in, in my year. There was bit basically uh, there was problems like in primary school, like for instance, I had to go to the toilet one time. There was a rule where you had to ask at lunch to go inside if you needed the toilet or anything. And I remember asking to go to the toilet, and it took about ten minutes to actually ask because I couldn't say the word toilet at the time. So it was stuff like that. And then I remember the following day, the person like said sorry, but it wasn't it wasn't sincere. But it, because the person got into like serious trouble about it. So obviously, 10 minutes to go to the toilet, couldn't say the word C, and the way she was acting with me. But it wasn't until I was 16, 17, I, was, I actually gained speech therapy. So it was nearly like 12 years later, I actually got actual help. But that was the call. The stammer got to that point where literally I was struggling to even like read out lines in uh, school for my, my school plays. I was struggling in so, in social situations. It was just not ideal, but it took me it took me only like twelve years to actually get to the point of actually getting any help. 
which is awful um that it's take that it took that long is it something that if you're under a high pressure situation like the stammer's worse because and this i don't know i've I'll have TikTok um, and there's a, a girl on TikTok who's I don't know if you know her she like sells her makeup and she's a beautiful yeah. beautiful girl and she has a um a stammer and she she pushes herself to go to like Starbucks drive through McDonald's drive through and order yeah. and I just think like she'll say at the start can you just bear with me I've got a stammer or sometimes yeah. she'll just go for it and I think she tends to stammer quite a lot sometimes and she says that's because of the pressure and the the nerves is that something you've noticed like maybe I don't know in interviews or or how does that work yeah so basically as you can probably tell my stomach isn't as prominent anymore but it does become prominent if I am in high, in, in high pressure situations so like if I'm like ordering food ordering drink uh like when, when I'm out like and then I feel like, especially if I'm out with like friends and like, you know, when you, when you go around and you order and then I hate it if I'm like last and then because I feel like everyone's like looking at you and I feel like, like oh no, I need to order my food. Uh, but sometimes I even have to point just to the menu or, the, or like go get my friend to order for me because sometimes I go, no, nope, can't do it. Or I might whisper to my friend like, oh wow, wait, I want that. And like not great that because you should be able to do it at your own speed and at your own time. But sometimes I feel like, no, I need, you know, someone to do it for me. But yeah, definitely high pressure situations are the worst. Interviews, actually, weirdly enough, I don't find them high pressure. I think because I've learned now just to be myself right now I'm being myself and I don't I don't feel like I'm having to put up, to put up a front or anything so definitely being yourself does help in my personal opinion yeah definitely were there ever any words that were hard to pronounce or like <laughs> syllables because I did um and this is probably really ignorant like I don't know much about about stammering but I um I did like a, a module at uni and it was on English voices it was and it was all about the pronunciation and literally how to write phonetically um, and you know like where the tongue was on on in your mouth and everything which is weird like the, your tongue has so much of it or tongue some people say tongue don't they tongue or tongue it has so much so much like what's the word like I, I can't even think of the word I'm trying to say like it has so much um influence over you how you say things over how you pronounce it so did you find certain things harder to say yeah like my last name which was a pain really badly so like there was a time when I started a job and they were like what's your name I said Jack Dinsley so I thought I said Dinsley but I think she heard Tinsley so she was like, type it out, type it out. I, said, I can't find you on, on the system. And I was like, I felt really, I felt embarrassed. I was like, I was like well, I mean, you know, I've been booked in to start for weeks now. I like, so I got really flustered. So she printed it out in the past. At this point, I didn't know she said Tinsley. So she printed it out, passed it to me. And I went, oh, there's been a mistake. And then she was like, oh, what? I went, you put T instead of a D. And she went, Oh, so, oh, I'm so sorry. So, like, I thought you said Tinsley. I was like, no, 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 it's fine. But it was embarrassing for us both, not because like, anything was wrong. I thought I said Tinsley, and she thought I said Tinsley. But I've had that my whole life, literally. If I can go without saying my last name, I 100% will. Bees are quite bad as well. I had a friend called Billy. Obviously, now I can say it fine. But when I was younger, I hate it. I couldn't say a name. Or I would go like, hi. How are you? I would I would try and not say her actual name. It was just it was just certain things. Or like 
when I go out for a drink, I will get a gin and lemonade like then. I stand when I said lemonade. I mean, tonic, I would wish I liked tonic because I could say tonic, tonic, tonic all day, every day. But literally, I can't stand the stuff. So literally, when I get a gin and lemonade, it's a pain. <laughs> yeah, I cannot, I understand that. That's Sod's law, isn't it? That you like what you can't sort of say easily. So how did um, speech therapy help? I, once upon a time before, wanted to be a journalist, really wanted to do speech therapy to help. Like, So how... How, what did you have to do to kind of be able to roll off the name Billy and things? So basically my speech and language therapist was someone who basically, I like to say she was a bit of a therapist, just a therapist because it was basically when I was in college, I was doing four A-levels, I was head boy, I was doing the big school production. So there was a lot going on. And on top of that, I also was dealing with my sexuality at the time, which was a lot for one person to undertake I think at one time so as you said as you as you said like high pressure situations every day was high pressure to me because like I was a role model for people because like I was a boy at our high school and college I had on the A level and also coming to terms with my sexuality which was a lot to deal and when you think of your brain that's a lot of pressure for one little brain to be dealing with all that stress so I was casted in the big school production of Beauty and the Beast and I played the candle Lumiere. So Lumiere. <laughs> the candle. Uh, the candle. Uh, obviously Lumiere obviously has a French accent. So it was weird because when I was, when I was pretending to be Lumiere, I didn't stammer because I was pretending I wasn't Jack, I was Lumiere. And basically I was like become French, basically. So that was a weird thing. But speech and language what really was the biggest thing for me it was having someone to talk to because when you're 16 17 18 I, I don't know if people like develop at different times in, in terms of maturity but I didn't really think I could speak to a lot of people about my speech I know that sounds really weird but this woman was paid to sit there to give me techniques to talk to me about you know what was going on on the grand scheme of things but yeah so she was able to go through techniques and I'm not sure if you realise I speak a bit fast. So that's something that hasn't really gone. But when I was younger, I used to speak even faster. And that's when my stamina was even worse because my tongue would be like here, but my brain would be here. So like my brain couldn't keep up with my speech. And yeah. that's when I used to stammer. So she taught me basically how to slow down and have control of my speech, which was very, very ideal. Yeah, I know. I don't think you... I don't I didn't get the vibe you spoke too fast I think oh, just like an, a natural pace I mean if you're maybe reading the news maybe, <laughs> maybe that would be a bit too fast but you could just skim over, skim over the bad news anyway like it'd be fine um, exactly. <laughs> so you'd mentioned like acting a lot so we is this a hobby of yours that you've always had like are you a dancer and a singer as well or just an actor like what's kind of that that part of Jack so I were, I've been dancing since about 2006. So I was always in like my local shows and like Preston, Blackpool, Fleetwood. I've done them all. I've performed on the Winter Gardens, which was nice. a great experience, which was lovely. I did that when I was in year 13. Again, year 13 was a big year for me, clearly. Year 13, uh, I was the only boy in the 
in my group. So the rest were all girls and I was the only boy. So that was like a really stand, like a standing moment and the whole Winter Gardens was filled. So that was that's a moment that will always stay with me. But yeah, uh, dancing, acting, I've done acting since I was, since I was young. Um, did it up until year 13 where I got an A star in my last performance. Oh. Which was really which was really good because the moderator, basically year twelve, my stamina was quite bad, obviously the speech speech language, and then year thirteen, after I finished my speech and language, the moderator, I remember saying to my drama teacher, saying how much of how much of a difference in my speech in a year had gone, and he said basically he couldn't even know he, he couldn't tell that I even even had a stammer like compared to a year ago when he picked up on it. So that was like really good to know that I've got an A star, not just out of sympathy or going, oh, bless, he's got a stammer. Actually, I got an A star for being good at drama, which is for me is good because I'm not just someone who has a stammer. I'm someone who actually is good at drama and actually proved themselves. But I've not really done drama mate, much since college because my life's just been 50 mile an hour since. Yeah. Do you think that kind of in this industry, you're always, I don't know, got your fingers in lots of pies like you're just spinning loads of plates just just trying not trying to prove yourself but you're just trying to get yourself out there and live and meet up for cocktails and have self-care nights and do you not feel like it's just escalated in this industry 100 percent like you have to be networking constantly as well like networking i remember at uni year two after i did my thing with news around and loose women i was like oh, networking is so important so like linkedin for me has been so important for networking and it's what you said you can't switch off but sometimes i remember i went i've been on, I went on a holiday in april to spain i remember i was like no i'm switching everything off i'm putting everything on mute because literally when i come back it'll be fast-paced again i'll be doing something again but i, I kind of like that i kind of like the thing with my brain not switching off because it means that i'm lucky to be in the place that i am yeah, I get that. And I feel like like I have a to-do list and then I have a this week's to-do list and then I have a yep. to-do list. And like I'm a person who loves ticking things off, getting things yep. done. Even if it's like reading a book, I want to finish it. Like I'm someone who's yes. like doing things. And and I think, you know, like this podcast, my job, all this, everything that we we do to get ourselves out there, so to speak. So I think it is, um, it's definitely an industry not for everyone though. Like, if we talk about the qualities that maybe you need to be a runner, you need, I think, to be able to, you know, something goes wrong, quickly think of a solution in time. I know many yeah. people who, like my friend, be like, I couldn't work in that industry. I just couldn't work last minute like that. I need to be prepared. And it's organised chaos. 100%. You have to be spontaneous, literally spontaneous. If you don't have that, then you might struggle. Yeah. What other qualities would you say um, someone would need then to be kind of a good runner or kind of doing what you're doing? So an example I'm going to give. So last summer, I started the job as a unit runner for children. I'm not sure if you've heard of the, the, the job title unit runner, but basically in the in BBC Children, they have a unit team where basically they get sent to different shows every single day. So I was a runner for the unit for three months. In the space of three months, I worked on... Blue Peter, uh, Justin's House, CBB's Radio, Britain's Best Young Artist, Justin's House, These Engineers, uh, Class Dismissed, Saturday Mashup. So on the top of my head, eight different shows, the space of three months. So what I'm trying to say, so like in one week, I would do Mashup, 
for four days, then I'll do Justin's house, then I'll do something else on the Saturday, then I'll have the Sunday off, then I'll have the Monday off the following week, and then my week would start again. So what I'm trying to say is you've got to be just resilient to everything because like one day you might be getting up at four in the morning, the next day you might be getting up at eight o'clock. So your your life as a runner is never going to be you're never going to be the same. And it's like this job I'm doing now. I'm actually working from home, which is actually brilliant. Like because I've heard tell people I work in telly, but my current job working from home. I'm like what? What do you mean? So my current job, I work from home, and like we've we've just done the first round of auditions, and basically the auditions are done virtually, like on Zoom. So and but next week it's in London, which is very exciting. So I get to spend a couple of days in London, which will be absolutely delightful. And actually, I get to meet the team for the first time knowing them since March in person. So that's yeah. exciting but it's like working on the home like a lot of trust in that aspect so as a runner like I'm actually trusted quite a lot to get on with the work to actually motivate myself and to get the job done so if you don't have those policies then I don't know you might struggle yeah definitely now you're also up for an award a national diversity award yes Talk to me about how that came about. Uh, I don't know the, what, you know, what the award's for and sort of when you might know if you've won, if that's a thing to think about. So basically, this is, this is the second time I've been nominated. So basically, long story short, this is my third award I've been up for. So the first award I've won is the Diana Award, which is a the award that is in honour of Princess Diana. I won that last year in July, so I won that. Then the National Diversity Award that I was put for last year, I was actually longlisted, which I clearly am now. Then I was shortlisted and became a finalist. So the awards for that was in February, which is absolutely fantastic. There was Heather Small, there was Harvey Price, there was people from EastEnders, Emmerdale, Hollyoaks. It was honestly a great networking evening. And then Sally Phillips was there. She was the host. Fantastic. So I was up for the Positive Role, Role Model Award for my work in the stammering community because I have my own campaign called the Being Kind Stammer Campaign. And basically I've been nominated again in the long list. I don't think I'm going to make the short list this year. I just have a think, like, I just have a vibe that I don't think I am. But never say never. It's just, it's been a crazy year and I just don't know if I will make the short list because it's been blown up this year. There's about 40,000 short, short lists. I don't know there's, wow. there's a lot of people a lot of people but still amazing like doing all those things um so do you want to talk a bit about your campaign then your stammer campaign yeah so long story short in 2019 before the world you know went into you know pandemic mode a teacher got in contact with me because basically I was on BBC Radio 1 with Katie Pussin and Dr Arda on their podcast and I, and I wrote an article for the Happy News paper by Emily Cockstead who is from She's from Chorley. She's from Chorley. Emily Cox said from Chorley. Uh, I've brought an article basically summarising my stammer experience and basically raising awareness. As I'm very passionate about it. So the teacher from Huddersfield messaged me on Instagram. This massive, massive like, paragraph being like, we really want you to come into our school. Do you want to come in and do a speech? Work with the kids? I was like, no way. I was like, I've always wanted to do this. I cra- crazy. So fast forward from November to January 2020, I launched the Be Kind Stammer campaign in Huddersfield, where basically I started working with schools, uh, basically talking to them about 
stammering, about my journey, about how just to be kind in general. Because basically, I think you will meet anyone with a stammer. It might be at the theatre, it might be at your local Costa, your Starbucks. But basically, I was raising awareness for this big, big prime school. So following that, I did more schools, and then the pandemic happened. And then I fought on my feet fast. So basically, I now work for Birmingham City University as an expert by experience. So we get to work with the university on a regular basis, talk to, talk to their speech and language students about having a stammer, did speech therapy work for me, and giving them my tips and tricks. I've also worked with other colleges, other universities as well, through the pandemic, through the power of Teams and Zoom. And here we are, two years later, after all, after all of that. I love that. Can I just say you need to write a book? Oh, stop it. I, I keep thinking about that, but then I'm like, oh, I don't know. No, it needs, you, you need to write like a, an autobiography book. You're very inspirational. I think you, you need, I don't know what you'd call it. Um, I can't think. But you'd, 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 it would have to be like a really like quirky name, wouldn't it? Like quirky, like, yeah. Out there, like bubbly, the bubbly runner. There you go. The bubbly, the bubbly runner. I love that. But yeah, I, I always thought about writing books. You need to write a book. It'd be, I'd defo like buy it. It'd be so interesting. Um, thank you. So I just want to say thank you so much for chatting to me. I can't believe that's gone so fast. And um, I know it's been a joy to like learn a bit more about you and. You know, you. someone who's like a legend in Kirkham, like a runner, you know, didn't know, didn't know they were in Kirkham. So that's exciting to know. Well, they are. They are indeed. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. To keep up to date with all things from a Lancashire lass, follow on Facebook and Instagram at from a Lancashire lass.